God bless you and thank you for tuning in to 5-Minute Inspirations. I'm Larry Hunter, your host, and you made it with us. We, we made it all the way through this part four. This is gonna, we're going to wrap it up today. This is our Dream Bigger series that we began last week. And um, I don't know about you, but if you, if you live in the U.S. and you have not really been out of the country or to some other countries, then um, I want to share with you the fact that it's really common in a whole lot of countries, not all of them, but in a whole lot of countries that their communities or where they live at, where the house is, all of the houses are kind of gated, gated in. I don't know a better way to say that. It's like every house has its own real tall fence or, or gate. You can't see through it. It's made out of stone usually or, or iron, but it's a gate that covers the, around the whole house. And you got these big old gate doors, you know, made out of iron or something like that at the front. And basically, if you're just riding down the street, ain't no way you can tell what's behind the gate. You can't tell how the house looks. You can't tell what size it is. Nothing like that. All you see is you go down the street is one gate after another. Might be painted different because of, you know, different houses have different preferences. They paint a little part of the gate. But it's like one gate after another. And the streets are pretty narrow as well. And you don't, like I said, you can't tell what's going on behind the gate <laughs> from the street. And likewise, if you're inside, there's a little teeny area where you can kind of like open up and kind of peek outside and see what's going on. But basically, if you're inside, you can't really tell what's going on outside. Right? And so that's so different than what we know in the United States for the most part. I think our norm would be you have a house, you have some land, but you don't. You might have a fence, but your fence ain't going to be like 30 feet high. <laughs> I'm just playing, but it's not going to be so high. The purpose of the fence will not be to hide your house. That's what I'm getting at. And I remember I was telling some of my Brazilian friends one time about our houses. Like I said, yeah, we have our house here. We got our yard and look on down next door. We can see our neighbor out in his yard and look on down further. You see the next person. And they were like, they were like, really? Y'all don't have it all gated in? I almost felt like I was telling a fairy tale because it just seems so different than what they're used to. And of course, what's the norm in many neighborhoods that we've been in is not what we're used to. What am I getting at? <laughs> One time I remember, it's happened a whole lot of times, but occasionally we, we would be invited out to to visit someone, you know, maybe visit their house for whatever reason. And, you know, you drive up to the house or get to the house, however you get there. And it's just common. You got this old, big old gate, big old doors. And a lot of times they're weather, weather worn, you know, and sometimes rusty and whatnot. You have that and, well, generally you knock on the door. Or really what you do instead of knock on the door, you just clap. I think that's so cool. You come up to a house and you just say. <laughs> and so that's like telling the person inside that somebody's out there. And they come up there and they basically, who that? <laughs> of course, in Spanish, you understand. They want to know who it is. You tell them who it is and they decide whether or not they want to let you in. More times than not, they'll let you in, right? So I, so many times this has happened. We come up to the house or the gates and the gates look all beat up and everything. And when they open up the gate and we step in. We like, Lord Jesus, look at this beautiful house. I mean, it's very narrow from the street. The the gate makes you think it's a little house up in there. But the thing is, the house goes deep. So you step through the gate, see this beautiful house. You see this beautiful green grass, beautiful flowers all around. You got hanging plants and woo, it's like and chandeliers. And, and <laughs> I'm like, man. And my thought over and over again when this would happen would be, I would have never thought that all of this stuff was behind those gates. Because, see, the gates look kind of beat up. And, and 
the gates are so high, and on top of the gates, there's either broken bottles or broken glass that's kind of been set into cement, you know, on the top of the gate, or the little barbed wire that kind of rolls around like you have on prison fences and stuff, right? Basically to keep people from going out. So, but anyway, what I'm getting at is that, man, I would have never guessed that all of this was waiting on the other side of that old rusty gate. Now, I'm telling you this because I want you to keep it in mind. As you're going forth towards the dream that God has put in your heart, as you are following his guidance step by step, you got to bear in mind that a lot of times the door that you'll come up on that you need to open up and pass through in order for you to advance closer to what you believe in God to see come to pass, a lot of times that door is going to be disguised as sacrifice. It's going to look like sacrifice. It's going to look like it because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be sacrifice. So don't let that throw you. That can be scary, I know. But don't let the fact that the door that you come up to is going to be a sacrifice for you, don't let that scare you or cause you to stop pursuing your dream. It's going to require some sacrifice. Remember Moses. You know, Moses had a real heart for the children of Israel, his his brothers and sisters, right? And that's evidenced by the fact that when he run up on them one time and and this Egyptian was mistreating one of his brothers. Man, gee, uh, Moses looked left and right and well, he took care of the Egyptian. He killed him and buried him in the sand. Of course, he got in big trouble for that and he had to, you know, run out of Dodge for like 40 years. But you can see that he had a heart to help his brethren, right? Now, 40 years later, God calls him and says, look, this is what we're going to do. You know, I got a burden for my people here and I'm going to use you to deliver them. And then he told Moses, he said, look, I need you to go and talk directly to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. Well, see, that shook Moses to his core. That was scary. That's sacrifice. See, Moses already didn't have too much of a good opinion of himself in terms of how he could talk. He already was having problems in the area. And God is saying, look, I want you to go talk to the president. Whoa. See, and that was a tremendous sacrifice and it was scary and all that. But that was on the way that was going to bring Moses closer to the dream in his heart, and that was to deliver the people of Israel. And you know how the story goes. It came to pass, right? So see, don't let the fact that, you know, you see fear accompanied with, as you're traveling along the, the, the plan that God has you on, don't let fear and don't let the fact that, hey, man, this is going to require something of me. Don't let that stop you, okay? I remember, y'all, look, God called us to be missionaries first in Guatemala. And we didn't have any experience as missionaries. We didn't have family background of missionaries. None of that. But one of the things that we had to do, we had to go around to different, travel around to different churches and speak in the churches and share the vision that God put in our heart and then believe God that he would touch their hearts to come on and support us, like be a monthly financial partner with us, stuff like that. Whether it's $50 a month, $25 a month, $100, whatever it was, we were believing God to touch people's hearts as we traveled around and, uh, you know, share what God had put in our heart. So now, I remember when we were having to travel to meet with these various local pastors and speak in churches, it became increasingly difficult to do so because the kids, our two children, had to adhere to their public school schedule. They were in school. I remember one day the Lord told me, now you see that you can't go any further with raising support while the kids are having to go to the school. And, uh, you know, this was because many of the pastors, they were inviting me to speak 
but they were in neighboring states or in other cities far enough away that it would require us to travel many hours and also to stay at least overnight in these towns. So the, the Lord was like, okay, look here, you see you can't go any further the way you're doing things, right? With the kids in school and all, right? See, my wife had already left her job. I had left my job. And the Lord was like, what you going to do? <laughs> now that was scary. You hear me? That was scary. I didn't want to do anything. But God was calling me to go through a door that was going to be sacrificed. Go and take the kids out of the public school system? Man, this stuff is for real, huh? <laughs> I'll never forget. I went down one morning to explain to the principal that I would be taking our two kids. They were in elementary school at the time. That I'd be taking our two kids out of the public school system that very day. And that my wife would begin homeschooling them. I'll never forget how they looked at me. They looked at me like I had completely lost my... Sir, what? Are you crazy? What are you doing? And see, I felt inside like I had lost my mind too because I was saying, dude, this is new stuff for us. Take the kids out of the school system? What? But you know what? <laughs> that sacrifice... Look, this is what happened. We answered in obedience. We took the kids out of school. Then, of course, we were able to say yes to pastors that were in different states or different cities further further out. We were able to say, yes, we can come and preach for you. And as a result, all of the rest of the money and the different things that we needed to fall into place for us to be able to have what we needed to move to Guatemala as missionaries, it came so fast after that. What? See, again, I had no idea. There was no clue that all of that blessing was right on the other side of me making that sacrifice, even though it was scary, of me going to the school system and pulling the kids out of the school. See? So again, I'm just telling you that to reinforcing you, for you to get where God's putting your heart that you're going to get to, it's going to require some sacrifice and you're going to go through some scary times too. Sometimes that door looks scary, but don't let it stop you. You got to go on through there. And just like with them houses on the, you know, that I was telling you about in Guatemala, different countries also, you can't never tell what's all behind there, behind those gates. Once you open up and go through, then you see, Okay. So don't become alarmed when you see your see fear is attached to your dream. Don't be alarmed by the fact that your dream feels really scary to you. See, the fear is there because of this. God will always call you out of the boat of familiarity, comfort, predictability, and also your self-imposed limitations. He's going to call you out beyond that. See, remember, his, he lives outside of the box. And his thoughts, the word of God says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God don't be thinking like we think, okay? He's out of the boat. He's thinking and he, he knows what you can do better than you know. He knows how he's directing you better than you know. So see, sometimes you're going to come up to the wall or come up to the door that God is prompting you to go through a decision that you need to make. And God is on you. You know that God wants you to make that decision. But it's scary. But it's going to require big sacrifice on your part. Well, I'm here to push you on through that door. I'm here to tell you that you can't tell by looking at the door, by looking at the sacrifice, what it looks like you're going to have to give up if you make the decision. You can't tell from the way the door looks what all is waiting for you behind the door. And you know how God is. You know how he rolls. God's got good, the, 
The Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 for the I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of good and not of evil to give you future and a hope I might have botched it up mixing up some translations, but you get the idea right God said look I know what I'm thinking for you. I want to do you good. I want to bless you, huh? Okay, so y'all don't got me stirred up here. Check this out. <laughs> so Fear is a reality. It's real now, how do you, then do you possibly overcome the fear that you have along the way when, you, when you're pursuing the dream that God's put in your heart, when you're endeavoring to follow his direction as he gives it to you? How do you deal with this thing, with this fear? Let me tell you what you got to do. You must nurture your dream until your dream becomes bigger than your fears. So you got to build excitement for your dream. You got to build that stuff up so much that it either overrides or overshadows your fear or your intimidation about taking the next steps forward. See, some people use vision boards. Now, I ain't never quite understood vision boards. I think they're good because a lot of people talk about how they have benefited from them, but I just haven't quite had nobody explain it to me where I can grasp how you do it. <laughs> so some people use vision boards. Some people use collages. I used to do that. I'd get a big old piece of cardboard and I'd just start cutting stuff out of magazines and stuff and I'd just paste it onto this cardboard. So I got this big old conglomerate of all kind of stuff all of the things support the thing I was believing God for, right? Now, here lately, I done got high tech. You know what I use now? I use Pinterest. Oh, excuse me. You a dude and you got Pinterest? Yes, I'm a dude and I got Pinterest. Now, I used to be tripping too. I used to think that, okay, guys don't do Pinterest. That's just for girls. They get up there and talk about jewelry and clothes. and No. One day, the Lord showed me how I could use the Pinterest concept to my advantage. I could build different boards based on the different dreams that I have, based on the different things that I believe God, he's going to do in the process of my lifetime. So that's what I've done. And I got several boards and I just, when I find something that resonates in me, that supports what I'm believing God to do in my life, I'll put that thing on my Pinterest board. And then now when I look back at my Pinterest board, man, I get stirred up. I get fired up. See, you got to do that. You have to find a way to nurture your dream until your dream becomes bigger and stronger than any fears or any intimidation that you might have along the way. Because God's going to call you to walk through some doors that have written on them, sacrifice. Huh? What you going to do? I'm encouraging you. See, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm right behind you and I'm pushing you. I'm pushing you on up through that door because there's greatness on the other side. And that's what God wants for you. Okay? Very good. Okay, I'm going to close. I went a little bit long, but I, I trust that you hung in there with me, right? Thank you again for, for hanging in there through this whole series, Dream Bigger. Tell your friends about it and uh, make sure to listen at it again, too, because this is this will help you. It'll help you. It'll remind you of some things that you've already known. God's wanting to do some great things. And remember, the grace of God, see Ephesians 3.20 again, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we can even imagine, but what he will do will be limited to how big we can believe God. What can we believe that God will do through us in our lives? So that's what this series was about, to get you fired up, to to shake you away from just small thinking based upon your circumstances, based upon the failures that you've had in the past and it don't look too good right now. No! What is God? Let God's word, let God be true and every man a liar. What does God's word say? Consider what God's word say and then if you got to get you a Pinterest account, you do that, man. 
Do what you have to do so that the dream that God's put in your heart gets strong and that it begins to overshadow any type of intimidation or fear or hesitation that you would have because you're treading into unfamiliar territory. Might be unfamiliar to you, but it ain't to God. And he has said that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God's with you and he won't leave you. All right, let me hush my mouth. You take it easy. God bless you. If you have a moment, let me hear from you. I always love to hear what's on your heart, uh, you know, as I'm doing these different teachings. All right, Larry Hunter, 5-Minute Inspirations. Peace.